Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Gear Priority Podcast. I'm your host, Justin, and today we are diving deep into sleeping comfort while backpacking, more specifically, the technologies and features that are used in sleeping pads to make them more comfortable, and what you should look for in a sleeping pad to maximize your comfort. I'm joined today by Barry Roberts and Ryan Andrist with Sea to Summit, which is a company that makes popular sleeping pads like the Etherlite XT. Welcome, both of you. I've, ch- I've chatted with you, Barry, a few times about sleeping pads, and we've we've definitely gotten nerdy about them and and had some great conversations i know you're you're both you're you're passionate and knowledgeable about sleeping pads um but i wanted to kind of give you guys the opportunity to introduce yourselves um where are you located how long have you been with c to summit and and what your specific roles are at c to summit and we'll start with you barry okay well um i've been with c to summit for a long time justin um it's coming up on 18 years now and a lot has changed in that time. Um, we've introduced a lot more products and a lot more technical products. And my role is essentially to be the um, person who will take the ideas that our design team has, our engineers have, and find ways to explain that to um, to normal consumers and vice versa. I, I um, work a lot with consumers and taking their ideas and feeding them back to the design team. Um, so the, my business card has an, a number of different titles on it, one of which reads Technical Resources Manager, which is um, sort of techie speak. Um, the other one says Minister of Education. So uh, with, with that, I think Ryan should say something worthwhile. <laughs> Barry, you are absolutely the Minister of Education. Uh, Justin, any sort of training that we do or product knowledge or even product comparisons, all of that comes from Barry. So uh, there's zero credit anywhere but with Barry. So on my end, so my name is Ryan Andrist. Um, I have been here at Sea to Summit for, I think I'm at about 18 months now. Uh, so just over a year and a half. Uh, it has, um, well, predominantly my role is the brand and marketing director, um, but there's always a lot, a lot of jack of all trades type things. So anything from social media to uh, video editing to whatever needs to be done. When you're a small organization, you you uh, get your hands dirty in a lot of different places. So um, my background stems from um, a lot of some other ye who, not, who shall not be named um, outdoor organizations uh, that I have worked with in the past. Uh, and then, like I said, I've been, I've been here about 18 months. So I'm excited to be part of this. Thank you, Justin. Awesome. And, and where, are you, where are the both of you calling in from? You give a you don't have to give your address, but just like a general location area. <laughs> uh, both of us are in Colorado, so our North America headquarters are in Boulder, Colorado. Okay, that's that's what I was wondering. So you're one of the few that's not in not in Seattle. Exactly. In the, in the outdoor. Uh, yeah, you you got to pick there. one. You're either in the Pacific Northwest or you're in the front range of Colorado. Yeah, nice. I think I think I'd probably pick uh, I'd probably pick Colorado. That'd probably be where I'd uh, I'd want to be coming in from. <laughs> It's a great place to be. So at the beginning of every episode, we do some rapid fire questions just to get to get to know the both of you. Um, we'll just kind of, as you kind of are able to, to answer the question, just jump in. Um, we got four here. The first one being, what are your favorite two outdoor activities? Well, backcountry skiing. Can I, can I pick the same one twice? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Backcountry skiing and backpacking. Um, and I really enjoy solo backpacking. I like Bone and Company. Yeah, 
What about you, Ryan? Uh, on my end, uh, it's you see, that's the problem with being in Colorado is there's so many options for us to do. That's why we live here, right? Uh, I am outside of the skiing part of it. I am a snowboarder, so you can you can call me those things. Um, but I am I'm a big I'm a big fan of the the weekend camping. So it is oftentimes um, myself, the dog, uh, the spouse, you know, getting out and and spending some time away from all of the uh, rigmarole that happens in the Denver area. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's, uh, th- those are, those are, those are a good combo, especially when you live in the mountains, having a winter activity and then something a little bit more geared towards, uh, towards summertime and three seasons is, is, is nice. I think all, everything you guys named, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely on board with those are, those are great activities. And, um, this one, this one might be a tougher one, but what are your favorite, what's your one, one favorite product that Sea to Summit makes? If you had to pick one, now, Ryan, you're up. Uh, so, so it's funny you ask that because I we just came off of a sales meeting here um, for all of uh, North America and actually globally, we had a ton of folks in town. Uh, and throughout that meeting, I preached nonstop that having the Eros Premium Camp Pillow is by far the best product that that you should have in your your gear kit. Uh, it will change your life. It's a it's a good one, especially with the with the sticker. Uh the pillow lock system just to keep it keep it locked on there pretty pretty solid so uh justin you would expect me to have something that can be empirically measured because i like that kind of thing so measure measured by the number of products that i have given away um my absolute favorite would be the evac dry sack um for 2023 the name changes to evac dry bag um but the the concept is the same it's a dry sack that you can squeeze air out of the base yeah. And that's because it uses event on the bottom? Using using event, which is air permeable. And the number of times I've been in a ski hut packing up on the last day and I'll put my sleeping bag in, sit on it, and somebody will stare in wide-eyed amazement. You know what? You're squeezing air out of the... Yes. Oh, why don't you take it home? Come on. So I literally have given away... I, I can't count how many, um, which is an open invitation to your listeners if they ever find themselves in a ski hut with a guy with a funny accent, they should look around to see if there's a free dry bag in there. <laughs> that's that's a good open invitation. <laughs> there you go. All right, number number three. This one's a little bit more related to uh, the topic at hand for today, and that's: Are you a side sleeper or a back sleeper? I t- I sleep all over the place. I'm I'm a kinetic sleeper. You're a barrel barrel roller. Oh yeah, I I hadn't heard the term barrel roller, but barrel seems um very orderly in comparison to the I'd, I'd love to see time-lapse photography of some of the positions i get, get into but yeah all, all over the place all over the place okay where were you at uh i am a classic like vampire pose uh i do not move from sleeping on my back hands crossed on my chest probably my feet crossed at the bottom and i don't move from that the entire night wow nice i'm, I'm jealous that's a that's a easy easy way to live <laughs> just uh... Being a back sleeper, it, it, it works for me. <laughs> <laughs> no, number four, and uh, maybe maybe this is more a question for for both of you because I I, uh, I don't think there's a necessarily a, you, you're probably not gonna have individual answers for us. Maybe, maybe you will. We'll see. But why why doesn't Sea to Summit include the pillow lock stickers with the pillows or sell them separately from the sleeping pads? It's a tougher tougher question, but I get asked it all the time from my viewers. 
There are there were, there were multiple questions within that. Um, obviously, part of the concept here is to encourage somebody to buy a Sea to Summit sleeping mat. We, we have to be honest about that. Um, but also, if you have a sleeping mat from another brand and you really want some filler lock stickers, um, send us an email. We're, we'll, we'll take care of you. Um, in Europe, they actually sell them. We, we generally give them to people. Um, the, the, we, we make arguably, the, as Ryan has said, um, the absolute go-to pillow. And we want people to be able to attach that to their mat. Um, maybe during our discussion, you'll hear some reasons why we think we also make a, a pretty fair, fair sleeping mat as well to go with it. So the, the, the ideal combination would be both. That's a good answer. And yeah, good, good to know that uh, people can, can uh, send email. I, I know they're, I think it's probably, probably good to, to kind of have a little bit of a gate there because I know some sleeping pads, it just won't. It just won't. They just won't work well together. You won't be able to use the stickers properly on the on the sleeping pads necessarily that aren't made by Sea to Summit. And uh, do we do we take care of that on a case by case basis? Um, do, do we put a lot of time and effort into um, staff training so that anybody who answers an email, um, they're not just sending out cut and paste answers. Um, if they think that there's a, a possibility that the two products will not work together, they will dig further until they've they found the correct answer. So, Shout out to our customer service team. They're pretty good at that. Yeah, and Justin, similar to your question about how, how people sleep, as you can imagine, between wanting to fix your pillow to your mat or people that stuff their pillow into the hood of their sleeping bag, uh, oftentimes you're kind of moving in one space or the other. So we have the stickers included with the mat because that's a, a big indication here. Use this with the mat versus, you know, you, you might buy the pillow because you're just stuffing it in the hood of your, your bag. And then, you know, we don't want to set an along with that. But as Barry said, customer service is awesome. If someone reaches out, we'll take care of them. Yeah, I, I've always had good experiences with CS Summit customer service, even, bef even before I had an audience and, and a YouTube channel and, and all that fun stuff. So that's, yeah, I can definitely, definitely, uh, Vouch for that. Um, so that, that that brings us into our our main topic at hand, and that's talking about sleeping pads and specifically sleeping pad comfort. Um, if if people have been following the uh, the podcast, we did an episode re recently on our value and talking a bit about sleeping pad warmth. But um, today we're going to focus on the comfort aspect. I think that's for me that's one of the big that's one of the, that's the most important thing for for a sleeping pad is is making sure it's comfortable enough i'm i'm like you barry i i i'm on my side i'm on my back i'm on my front i'm on my head and all all over the place as i'm sleeping so it really is important to have a sleeping pad that that makes everything everything work um and i'm i'm curious because see somebody in, in my mind is is one of the companies that has really seems to make comfort a priority with with your sleeping pads so um, maybe kind of confirm, confirm or deny that, but, um, how, how has Cedar Summit become, like, why, why was that identified as a priority for sleeping pads, um, in, in the development of, of your pads? Um, well, like so many things with Cedar Summit, um, it was an engineering breakthrough. Um, it wasn't somebody sitting around, um, sketching out the questions for the next focus group. Um, that's not the way that we've built products. It's not the way that we run the company. And um, a couple of engineers had a real breakthrough moment um, at separate points, but um, essentially they were looking at um, how air mats worked. Um, and you have to remember that we're talking 
a few years ago now. It took us four years to develop air mats before they came to market, and we launched in 2015. So we're going back 12, 13 years now. And there were quite a few mats on the market that were very simple constructions. They were big, largely tubular form. And um, the engineers who had the breakthrough were thinking about how you could build a mat that had a level of stability, which not in comparison to a, to large tubes, but they were actually, they took their inspiration from pocket spring mattresses. And of course, if, if you've, most people have seen the commercial where there's the old fashioned mattress with the small number of very large springs and it's quite wobbly and unstable. Um, and then they blend into the new technology, which is the hundreds of very small springs. And to, to underscore the point, they'll put a glass of wine on one of the springs on the old fashioned mattress. Of course, you tip over the wine on the new one, you don't. And that's what they built. They built a an air-filled version of that concept. And so um, even in our simplest mats, if, if we were to take the ultralight mat, there's a, in regular size, there's 181 separate air-filled springs. And once they, um, and it took a while to perfect, like I say, it's, you know, it was four years in development. But once they'd figured out how to make this work, when you lay on it, you're not laying on five or six tubes or 30 or 40 baffles. You're laying on hundreds of individual points and each of them um, suspend your weight very effectively. Each of them um, mold and adapt to the curves and contours of your body. And once you've tried it, you will... Most people, you, 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 can't, um, you can't put empirical numbers behind comfort. It's a subjective thing. But the overwhelming majority of people who've tried it say, yeah, this, this is actually a more comfortable sleep experience. But um, it, it, it truly was an engineering breakthrough. And w was that engineering breakthrough kind of, w was it targeted towards creating a more comfortable sleeping pad? Or were there a bunch of different initiatives that were happening um, at the time? And then that was just one of the main ones. They, they were just kicking ideas around to begin with, um, some of which are laudable but hopelessly unrealistic, which is what happens with engineering, um, some of which eventually very quickly moved to that idea of a large number of dot welds which subdivide up the, the chamber. Um, it was... We, we, we need about a three-hour podcast to really go into how they got to... Um, this turning into a marketable product. But in the very early stages of prototypes, especially if you look at what was um, on the market currently in 2010, 2011, it was very clear that they'd come up with something that was radically different. And not just different for different sake, um, different and worked better different. Yeah, and I think just, just to kind of paint a picture for the people that are that are listening and, and maybe have never seen um, or have troubles imagining a Cita Summit, sleeping pad. Um, a lot of them have kind of a, I like to describe it as like a dimpled, dimpled pattern or quilted pattern where you have these, um, points that are a little bit lower and then you have these raised, raised areas. And I think we'll, we'll get into a little bit more kind of the why those two components are, are, are important, but that's, that's the kind of breakthrough that you're talking about, right? Barry is, is having that kind of dimpled or quilted pattern, um, with the kind of pocket spring type technology. The, the pockets between those dimples, um, we call them air-sprung cells, which I realize is a little confusing. If you think of them as air-filled springs, 
Um, it is the sheer number of them. Um, like I say, in our simplest map, the ultralight, 181 of them. If you go up to a comfort light, there's 331. You go to the comfort plus, which is two separate layers. Um, you're at 548. And I haven't got to the large size or the rectangular sizes. It gets it goes up from that. And it doesn't take um, too much imagination to figure out that you know, four or five hundred separate points of suspension is going to be more comfortable. That's kind of a given these days because so many companies have adopted either something more or less identical, and REI would be one. Um, they used to have their best-selling lightweight pad was made out of a tubular construction. Uh, they dropped it and came out with, with one that looked an awful lot like a Cedar Summit pad, and we're, we're very grateful for the, for the compliment. Um, but it, it, it's indicative of the fact that um, the more you can subdivide an airfield chamber down into smaller parts, the more stable it's going to be. It's not about thickness. We, we, we can cover thickness because that's a, um, that's a bit of a myth. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll love, I'll, I'd love to in a, in a, in a second here. And I, and I love that um, the, the kind of air spring. And I, and I guess that, that makes sense for the air sprung name now. Where, <laughs> But each, each of those little raised areas and the lower areas, it creates a, an air spring type scenario in order to relieve pressure points. Um, and kind of building off of what you just mentioned, because um, th thickness, I think, is something that people talk, talk about a lot. And um, even with, with some of the advertising that's, co that comes out with pads, a lot of it has to do with pad, with pad thickness. Um, but with pads coming in kind of all shapes and sizes, what are the key design factors you touched, you touched on, on kind of the baffling system. Are there any other ones that are, are key for making a comfortable sleeping pad? Yeah, there's, um, there's a couple of things. Um, number one is shape. Um, we... And I'm trying not to make this sound like an infomercial, but uh, we decided very early on um, that we were going to have in our regular size a 21 and a half inch mat um, because the 20 inch mats that are on the market, almost all of the testers came back and said, they're great and they're really light, but my elbows hang on the ground, which is <clears throat> a little bit contrary to what you're trying to achieve. So the shape of the mat is quite important. Um, we will hopefully touch on women's specific sleeping mats a little bit later um that's um a, an extremely important point with a with a woman's mat um the other aspect is the face fabric itself and that's where you run into some engineering challenges because on the one hand it would be great to have a soft quiet fabric and there are such things about um the difficulty of using those softer often textured fabrics and especially polyesters, is nowhere near as strong as a nylon, and especially not as strong as a high thread count nylon. Um, so in an ideal world, you would be able to build a mat that w would have a very, very soft finish. You'd be able to run your hand over it, and it would feel like flannel sheets on your bed at home. But you can't. Um, and Cedar Summit's very much an engineering-driven company, and the engineers... Um, God bless them, went for um, strength over that easy tactile feel. But um, there's, no, there's no question there are some really good sleeping mats on, or sleeping pads on the market that use softer fabrics. They also tend to be a little bit quieter than ours. There's a little more contact noise when you have a, um, a, a very high thread count fabric, simply because it, it ends up being smooth and it's 
most people have rubbed the surface of a balloon and know the squeaky noises that come out of it. Contact noise comes out of a lot of air mats for the same reason. And softer fabrics would make a mat, um, not just subjectively, but um, just for, um, as far as tactile feel is concerned, it would make it more comfortable. It's not part of our lineup um, for the simple reason that it's nowhere near as strong. What about so? What about the 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 thickness? Let's let's chat about that a little bit because I think that's uh, we touched touched on on with the baffling system, and then I I, I think what, what I hear from a lot of people, um, and I think maybe this harkens back to when pads bef- before I think we started seeing a lot of pads with with kind of good baffling systems, um, people would have to release a lot of air out of their pads in order to feel comfortable, and then then they need a thicker pad in order to be able to release enough air. And then their, their hips are touching if there's, it's not thick enough. So yeah, do you have any, any, any comments on that? Cause that's that, I think that's the thought process. I see a lot of people going down. No, you do, do. You're absolutely spot on. Um, once upon a time, thick was everything. Um, it's, um, it's a very simple prospect when you're trying to sell something. If you equate thickness with comfort, I'll, look back to that in a second, but the, the first company to figure out that there was a better way of doing things was Thermarest, and they put the NeoAir on the market, and if you were to cut one in half, you would see um, a lot of triangular sections, um, which were the baffles, and they were made out of reflective material with a, um, a film that ran down the middle, and so there's a very little top-to-bottom air contact. Um, you have something which, because it's reflective, um, the large part of your radiant heat is going to be reflected back to you. It was a huge, huge breakthrough. Um, the the mat, nobody seemed to um, get concerned about the fact that it was barely three inches thick because they just looked at it and said, clearly this is something very, very different. And it was, and um, kudos to, to Semeris. They're, they're very, very good engineers. Um, some brave person signed off on an awful lot of RF welds on the inside of that thing. Um, however, it didn't um, change um, that um, there was still a widespread perception that thicker is always more comfortable. And what I would say to somebody is the primary thing that you need to engineer into a mat, whether you do it with baffles, as Thermarest did, or whether you do it with the cell-type construction that Cedar Summit did, stability is everything. And I would challenge anybody, I mean, it's, it's interesting, we've actually done sort of blindfold tests in, and had people lay on a mat and if it's correctly inflated, um, they will be convinced that they're sleeping on a really thick pad. You take the blindfold off and they say, oh, good Lord, it's two inches. How is this possible? Because because it's about stability. Having said that, the ether light mat that you mentioned um, is thicker. It's just shy of four inches. Um, it wasn't designed to be a thicker pad per se. Um, they merely took those dimples and moved them apart. They're joined together by a loop of a flexible material. And the idea of that was very simple. Um, it, because the dimples now, um, A, they're farther apart, and B, they um, don't have the effect of turning the um, fabric between each dimple into a complete hemisphere. This is difficult. With them. I, I should have a, a graphic here, but um, trust me, the standard dimpled Cedar Summit sleeping mat, um, each um, space between the dimples is a hemisphere. And in the ether light, it isn't. It's a, a gentle curve. And so it uses less fabric. 
So our etholite is made of exactly the same laminate as our um, our most comfort-oriented heavier mats, um, but there's much less fabric, and therefore um, it's a lot lighter as a um, a side effect of that. It also happens to be thicker, but the, the intention wasn't to build a thick pad. It was to build an air-sprung cell mat that um, ha happened to have that quality of being lighter. Um, and some people will say, well, it's exactly what I'm looking for. It's got that kind of sort of plush thing, or, you know, I've always wanted a, a pad like that because I'm a side sleeper. If, if that's um, where people intersect with it, it's fine. Um, what I would say to them is just count the number of, of air-filled springs. Look at it. You've got 92 points of suspension on that thing. That's what's keeping you comfortable. Yeah. And that's interesting to, to know that was kind of the, that the, the, the weight was was a priority over the thickness of, of that pad. And, that, and it, it was the design of, of the having the air sprung technology with the weight that led to that, that level of thickness. So that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's really interesting to, to know. Um, and I, I definitely, right when I talk to people and recommend, um, how they should be sleeping on their sleeping pads, I think something that always comes up is, is the inflation as far as how, how it relates to our value. And I let people know that if, if, as you start deflating, you're also decreasing the warmth effectiveness of that pad. So if you can get a pad that's comfortable, fully inflated, you're also going to be warmer. So, and, and I find I've, I've slept on dozens and dozens too many to count pads out there and that that, that uh the air sprang technology and, and the dimpled um system is is definitely the most comfortable and i sleep on all those pads that i have fully fully inflated 100 percent and um have no have no problems with with comfort and i'm a like i said side sleeper back sleeper all over the place it justin i was gonna i was gonna throw in there i think some of the stuff that you're seeing and and part of that thickness um conversation is also based on the fact that you know, growing up, I remember the days when you would have egg crates or just a, a thick foam piece that the more foam, the more comfortable were what it was that you were able to sleep. And as Barry was saying, that stability that is now built into these air cells is what is really making that lighter, more packable piece than what we used to carry around when we were younger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My first, uh, first bite I ever bought myself um was a three-quarter length one inch thick self-inflating mat and I, I i wish that was thicker at the time for sure <laughs> yeah sure you did <laughs> i think it's just worth um, quickly throwing in uh, we do have to draw a distinction between a self-inflating mat and an air mat because a self-inflating mat has a foam core and therefore it's inherently stable it doesn't have any baffles in it, it doesn't need them you're not trying to subdivide a large chamber you're putting a large block of foam in an airtight wrap and putting a valve on the end of it. Um, the, the, all self-inflating mats are therefore um, as stable as they come. And because they're made of foam, the thicker they are, in actual fact, the, the more comfortable. So thickness does play a role in a self-inflating mat, which because of its foam core, um, it's not the prime driver in an air-filled mat. Um, and the... You're going to get tired of me saying this, but um, you, you have to watch um, closely when somebody turns over on a mat and you can see some unstable constructions. Some of them, it almost looks as if, if the thing is bouncing. Um, that can't be comfortable. It's certainly not, um, it's not good for trying to keep warm air underneath your torso, but we're 
we can go off down different rabbit holes and I'll I'll leave it at that. Just just um I'm I'm assuming for the, for today's discussion we're talking primarily about air mats and not self-inflicting mats. Yeah, pr- primarily air air mats, especially for that for that weight weight factor and I think I, you just gave me an idea. I I think about those videos that you see that people um record getting like a ball in the face in slow motion and their face distorts. Um I'm curious to have you have you guys done that with receiving pads like a high, high like very slow motion someone tossing and turning on the pad to kind of see how things kind of move in different pads? I don't know if they've, they've done it with high speed cameras. I will have to find out. Let, let, let me get back to you on that one. It's something that now is just in the back of my mind for a YouTube video. So uh, that that might be having some high speed tossing and turning on sleeping pads and seeing how it affects different ones. <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> I think you uh, you touched on some trade-offs um, that have to be made sometimes when designing a, a comfortable sleeping pad. Um, I think I think weight weight can be an easy one, and we kind of see see that as as something that c- comes into play if if you just brought your to, to go to extreme example, you just threw your mattress from home on your back and lugged that into the backcountry. That's that'd be comfortable, but very heavy. And I think um, we can see that with with a bunch of even as we get down to like car camping pads and things like that. Um, are there other trade offs? Maybe specifically from in C to Summit's experience that you have to make when designing a comfortable pad. Um, I think you mentioned durability as well with regards to the fabrics. Instead of having a softer fabric, um, you, you go with a more durable kind of nylon that may be slightly noisier. Um, any other ones that you can think of? Uh, well, um, uh, something that goes hand in hand with that. Um, the fabric itself is not airproof. I think there's a widespread misunderstanding just because polyesters and nylons are synthetic fabrics. Um, people may have the impression that the fabric itself will stop air passing through it. It will not. You need to put something on it, some kind of barrier to make it airproof. And um, there are a number of different technologies. Um, at the time when we were developing mats, there were still coated products on the market. And you you have to shrug your shoulders and ask who thought that a... Um, let's, let's back up a second. When, when you have an air mat, there's a lot of dynamic loads that go on it inside it. When you roll over onto a weld, you actually decrease the amount of load on that weld, but you've increased the load somewhere else. The air pressure is constant throughout the mat, but the loading on the welds changes. So you, in an ideal world, you would have a material for the face fabric and for the laminate of your mat that would withstand that. It wouldn't stretch in any way. But you also need to find a way of taking that airproof barrier whether it be a coating or a film or something else, and attaching it so that it isn't going to become detached. Because the mat is going to lead a very tough existence, which includes, and much less so these days, where pumps are more freely available. But back in the coated days, people were mouth-inflating mats, softening up the airproof barrier, which was a polyurethane coating, and then I'm looking with amazement as after a few uses, the thing would not hold air. It wasn't punctured. That's all the the the, the first guess. Um, my my pad has popped. Um, it must be some kind of sharp influence from the outside. An awful lot of this, especially in those days, probably the majority of mats that were failing were failing because that coating on the inside had failed. 
or the welds had failed because the coating was soft, or the two had combined to fail together. So um, the better technology is to roll a film onto what's called a face fabric. And again, people are only listening in on Spotify. They're not going to see my hands doing this, but you roll a film together over rollers. There's a film on one side, there's a face fabric on the other, and you stick the two together. That's called a roll-to-roll -roll application. And it's way better than a coating. It's far less likely to become detached. And bear in mind, there are a lot of loads on this. It's it's something that you have until you start thinking about um, how the thing is loaded. Um, there are also shear loads, so they're pulling from side to side. So a lot of mats have failed because either originally the coating failed or the welds, or then latterly the film became detached and tore or the welds failed with them. Cedar Summit came up with an entirely different process. We, we found a manufacturer because we knew that we were going to use a lot more welds than anybody else was. We needed very strong, very stable welds. So there's two types of welding. Um, you can heat weld something together. Works with certain laminates, including those soft textured laminates with a film. Um, but a much stronger weld is an RF weld, and not all laminates can be RF welded together. RF is radio frequency. Um, an RF weld, if it's correctly executed, is incredibly strong. There's an if coming. If the medium that you are welding together is thick enough. And you asked about designing a mat and what some of the, the challenges are. Um, people will always tell us, oh, you, you've got a 40 denier by 30 denier fabric, 40 denier threads in one direction, 30 in another. Well, you should use a lighter fabric. You should, you know, maybe a 20 and a 30. And yeah, that would actually save a little bit of weight. But if we really wanted to save weight, that airproof barrier, the bit on the inside that you can't see, you make that thinner. And you can save a lot more weight. We could, overnight, we could take 50 to 60 grams off of the weight of our sleeping mats simply by making that um, airproof barrier thinner. I'll tell you how it's done in just a moment. We won't do that because the, the weld integrity suffers and we generally don't get weld failures. We I think we've had 30 since we've had mats on the market eight years ago. And the reason for that is that instead of a film and instead of a coating, they use what's called a liquid extruded thermoplastic um, extrusion to, to build, the, sorry, lamination to build that laminate. So um, a very wide machine with a very narrow gap in it. The uh, fabric moves underneath it and liquid thermoplastic urethane is forced through that gap and it bonds all the way around the fibers so it doesn't come off. It doesn't ever come off. We've In eight years, we've never had a delamination and um, we're now no longer the only company who uses liquid extruded lamination, but it was one of the technologies that we put in at launch that I think um, increased the durability and the reliability of sleeping mats. I'm not sure that we haven't now moved away from that in some cases by making mats lighter than is, is probably advisable if long-term reliability is your goal. Is, is there, so just, just to just to kind of um, recap for people, the, the material that they see on the outside there on their pads, that's the, that's a non-air, that's that's air permeable, it's not airproof, and then put either a laminate or um, the extruded um, liquid onto the inside, and that's the coating that makes them that airproof. And because with the extrusion method is 
is there a minimum thickness then? Because um, I think you told me once that the, that laminate is is sometimes, if if not occasionally, heavier than the outer face fabric that people see. Um, it is heavier, um, and like I say, that's where we could save all the weight. And there is a minimum um, thickness. Um, we we build our mats in um, a factory that manufactures aeronautical products, including evacuation slides, which kind of have to work first time. Um, and the engineers who control the lamination process will tell you it it would be very easy to go down below a certain spec, but they are reluctant to do so. And trust me, the engineers in Perth don't want to. We don't want to compromise the concept that we have going on. We're wholly aware that there are lighter mats on the market or lighter pads on the market, and that's fine. Um, some of them are very, very good products. Um, that's not Cedar Summit's um, primary entry point into the sleeping mat world. Um, we have a reputation for um, very tough, very durable, very reliable sleeping mats, and we're happy to stick with it. And, and I think to, to, to kind of bring that back to the comfort aspect, I think all, a lot of those factors that you mentioned as far as um, the the lamination technique or the extrusion technique, the, the way to make the, the pad um, airproof, and then also the material that's needed in order to use that technology all kind of creates some 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 trade-offs that help with durability, but may impact comfort as well. You, like I imagine it'd be impossible to use like a 20 denier polyester fabric with the the like the RF welding as well as the extrusion lamination and then still have any sort of dirt durability necessarily. Um, well, the, the, there are twenty denier um, fabric mats on the market, and um, you know I, I I leave your listeners to determine how um, how reliable they are. Um, if longevity comes into it, um, the, the, there is no question. The stronger you can make a weld, and the more stable the laminate that you are welding together, the longer the mat is going to last. Um, I can't promise people that they will never have a failure with a Cedar Summit mat. I certainly can't promise people um, that they won't get punctures in, a, in an air mat. That's not a possibility. Um, but um, you asked about, not compromises, but you asked about trade-offs. Trade-offs, yeah. Because I think there's, there's always going to be trade-offs. There's always trade-offs. Um, yes, we'll be slightly noisier. Yes, we will be heavier. Um, but on the other hand, um, we have plenty of uh, of users who've contacted us after more than 200 nights, one after another, on one of our mats, and they, they didn't look pristine anymore, but they seem to, seem to keep working. So that, that, that's that's where we feel that the um, on the spectrum of things, that's that's where we belong. What about with with warmth? Because I think that's something um, for me after comfort. Warmth warmth is is a huge warmth weight and comfort kind of like a, a trifecta of, of priorities for me with sleeping sleeping mats and um i think just just to kind of put, put like with with uh, thermarest pads like they have one of the best warmth to weight ratios on the market don't work for me from a comfort perspective but they are hitting those other two um as and actually i'm gonna throw durability as a fourth fourth one in there as well because i think that's super important like like, like we just spent some time talking about um, with, with, with pads, when you guys were designing like the Ethernet XT, for example, were there, were there efforts to make it warmer, but then hit some roadblocks as far as 
far as the trade-offs that were needing to happen because of that? Cool. Um, well, did, I now have to go home and listen to your podcast on our value because I would love to hear what your guests had to say. Um, Cedar Summit was part of the working group that created the new ASTM standard. And we've been, we were massively supportive of that, um, even when it became apparent that the testing protocol wouldn't favor our, our particular type of design just because of the pressure that the mass had tested at. That um, shouldn't sound like sour grapes. We're absolutely supportive of a, an empirical standard for testing R-value. R-value isn't the only thing that you need to know about with a, with a sleeping mat, but it's a really good point to begin the discussion. Um, some other factors just to be aware of. Um, a sleeping pad or a sleeping mat is not warm. It's exactly the same temperature as the ambient air until you put energy into it. And thusly, um, the bigger the mat, the more volume, the, the more energy you need to put into it. And that will be true of a Cedar Summit Etherlite in case you think I'm um, referencing other brands here. Um, equally, if you have a mat which is unstable and you'll hopefully with your high-speed camera, you're going to see what that looks like. Um, you are moving a lot more air back and forth inside the mat and you tend to warm up the part underneath your torso um, in an unstable mat that, that warmth gets dissipated. It does not retain, it's not retained inside the mat. So our value, um, like I say, massively supportive of having a standard. Um, we used to test prior to the ASTM standard. Um, we tested in the EMPA labs in Switzerland. So did XPED. So the two of us were testing to the same protocol which it turns out through discussions with friends in the industry was essentially the same protocol that Thermarest were using and um, REI based their standard on Thermarest. So there once a, this myth that before the ASTM standard, it was Wild West and there was no standardization. It doesn't hold a lot of water. I think there, there's companies that were, were good actors within talking, when talking about sleeping pad work. But the, I, think, I think what the interesting factor with our value is that there's now like, like you have Mountain Equipment Co-op and REI who just basically have said, we're not carrying your product unless you've tested based on this standard. And there's a lot of companies before and, and even now that kind of just make up our values based on um, like a, I, I guess, um, I doubt, I doubt they, they've tested that many pads in that many different conditions out there. But I think, I think uh, that what, I, what I've, and I, what I've realized with personal experience is that our about, like you said, our value is a kind of good starting point, but there's a lot of factors that affect, affect it. Um, and that's what I found is like even testing sling pads with the exact same R value in same conditions, the, the real world performance will be, can be, can be different once, once you're out there and you have a human on a pad instead of a hot plate. <laughs> Um, that's actually the, the point that I was coming to. Um, putting a live human being on top of a mat, especially when there are inconsistencies with the degree to which it's inflated um, in, and differences in the ambient humidity and then the amount of moisture in the ground, there's a lot of variables out there. So our value is, is part of this whole uh, construct, but it's not the whole thing. Um, you asked specifically, what, did we run up against barriers when developing the Etherlite? Um, Cedar Summit uses a lofting insulation. We use Thermalite, so it's a, a polyester material. Um, it's uh, tagged to each of the middle of those dimples, um, and thus it hangs down from the um, top of the mat to about halfway. It's, there's 
um, a layer laminated onto it, which will reflect back radiant heat, but we um, prevent the, the convective heat loss by using that fuzzy polyester. Um, there are some newer designs on the market. Um, Nemo has done um, a great job in pushing the the state of the industry forward. Their space frame gets rid of the, the polyester, which is where a lot of the weight has gone away. Um, they've got a second layer of a reflective material um, that I think will make its way into other designs um, in in years to come. Um, every every product has a, a life cycle. We are now, as we speak, we are now looking at what happens next in sleep. Um, right now, we, we are staying with the um, polyester material, um, but there's no question if, if you want to um, increase the R value without increasing weight, and in fact, you wanted to decrease weight, um, that second layer of the reflective material um, has an awful lot to offer. Again, in case you think that this was an, an infomercial on behalf of Cedar Summit, we're, we're more than happy to give you pros and cons of our designs compared to other other shines on the market. Well, and, and I think uh, if people want to stick around the end, I'll, I'll definitely I'll be asking you you guys about uh, where Cedar Summit, what, what you're working on, and where where you're where you're going technology wise. So that's a little little teaser. I don't know if you guys will be able to talk too much about it, but um, if they, if you people want to hear the question asked, then then we'll be we'll be. It'll, it'll be it'll be happening later 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 in the episode, um, and I, yeah, I think I think as, as uh, with with the warmth, I think um, I'll, I'll be. I, I think you, you mentioned REI using a similar, potentially identical um, <laughs> system. They they introduced the that reflective insulation um, into I, I don't know if you can call it insulation at that point, but into into their pads, um, and it's been pretty effective at maintaining. Uh, like being able to reflect the warmth, warmth back to you. I think, I think with the Etherlite XT, um, what I found is because that that polyester layer kind of is in the middle, there's potential for cold air to be coming in from the sides of the pad, especially with with how thick it is. Um, I'm not sure if that's that's factoring in at all. The, the, that's just part of the construction. Um, all mats will have some point because um, you have to tag the top of the mat to the bottom in some way, so you don't have a continuous layer. Um, and th your observation is absolutely correct. There, There is the chance for cold air to move through the Etherlite construction. But, it, the, but then that will be true for an awful lot of other brands as well. And just trying to be even-handed here. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think it's, I, I, when, I've, when I've thought about um, the different technologies that are leading to pads that are maybe maybe a little bit warmer um i it, it's they, they are also limited by their construction for instance like thermarest in order to achieve their high warmth to weight ratio they have to use a certain baffling system um i think in order to really have that effectively but then for me the, the comfort gets sacrificed in, in a big way so um i think if people are thinking about sleeping pads and trade-offs i think yeah they're at, at this point in time, I think we're getting better. And I think you, you, you we've mentioned a couple of companies that, and, and see to some, I think push the comfort aspect in a really big way, um, with the release of, of the air sprung technology, but different companies seem to be pushing kind of the warmth aspect, the durability aspect, the comfort aspect, the weight aspect. Um, but it, it's great to see everyone kind of pushing things because then everyone, everything's getting better and, and, uh, the consumer really kind of wins, <laughs> wins in the end. There's certainly the opportunity for it to improve the breed. Um, I, I, I 
would just suggest to people that they um, that they find out the parameters that are most important to them. Um, honestly, very few people, of course, in Canada it's slightly different, but very few people really need much more than an R value of three. If you're out winter camping, absolutely, there's no question. You get beyond a hard frost and you need an R value of four or greater. Um, we felt that, that um, as far as R value is concerned, um, several of our mats are in the three to four range, and that's probably adequate for, for most people. But there are other factors that people need to consider when they're buying a mat. Weight is one of them, but so is durability and reliability. Um, ease of use is another. Um, noise is another factor, and I've already conceded we're, we're not the quietest mats out there. But there are some mats which, which are a lot noisier. They're not simply contact noise. There's noise from the insulation on the inside. Um, I, do, I, I would suggest to people, you know, draw your own Venn diagram. What are the things that are most important to you? Um, and if I could just put my Cedar Summit hat on to finish the sentence, just know that we are very, very happy with where we are in the market, specifically when it comes to durability, and specifically when it comes to reliability. So, nice. And um, when it comes to, so we, we touched on a bunch of different, we touched on a bunch of different kind of features of of the pads with regards to thickness, um, that the 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 pad the patterning on top or the baffling system. Um, width and 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 shape when i, I think we and we, we all i think barry you and i have a very similar sleeping style ryan you have a different sleeping style i think some people are <laughs> are, are like you but maybe they're side sleepers so they they get into the fetal position and they just stay there for the entire night um are there characteristics that people with different sleeping styles should be paying more attention to um when it comes to kind of thickness uh with shape um, and the baffling systems, and have you guys test tested that when it comes to, to sleeping pads? Um, so only to go back to the comment that I made earlier when we were launching the mats, um, we decided we weren't going to build a 20, 20 inch wide mat. Um, it just didn't seem to make sense. We we realized we could have trimmed some weight off to begin with. Um, beyond that. Um, Honestly, Justin, the, um, the, this idea that you have to have a thick pad because you're a side sleeper, it's a very successful marketing tagline. I don't believe, um, having seen people who couldn't actually see the, the mat that they were laying on, then getting up and discovered, discovering not only was it a lot thinner than they thought, but also that somebody had sneakily put a set of car keys underneath their hips, and they, of course, couldn't feel them. Um, I uh, I, I think everybody owes it to themselves to test a sleeping mat in a store. It's difficult if you're an online purchaser only, but um, you should get two or three out and spend as much time as possible assuming the position that you normally sleep in and rolling over as much as possible and um, seeing how much the mat moves with you and how noisy it is when you move. For sure. And I, I think from from personal experience, um, I, I, I would probably recommend to people that if you do if you are a side sleeper, um, I'd probably look more towards pads like like the Etherlite XT with that dimpled system on it because I, I find it is very, very effective at relieving um, pressure points where I, I know people who are, are back sleepers and can sleep on on like a thin thin foam mat or it's not, it's not, it doesn't affect them as much um, with that top, top of a sleeping pad. 
pad looks like. I'm not sure, Ryan, is that, has that been your experience with, with different sleeping pads is, or do you, is there a difference between, um, something like, a, like a Thermarest X-Lite baffling system versus an Etherlite XT? Yeah, I, I would say that, um, in my experience, there has been uh, a, a lot of different products that, and it, like I, I said earlier, you know, I started out in the day with just like an egg crate or a, a piece of foam that you had cut out of something and rolled it up. And I, I slept pretty decent on that. Uh, technology has evolved so much. And, and obviously, even in this discussion here today, there's so many things that have changed from the days of just those pieces of foam that as we get into the uh, error uh, mats, um, I have found very much so that the uh, uh, air sprung cells have been very nice to, you know, so the either your shoulder blade points or um, even kind of on the, the the lower part of your back is not connecting in a space that either um, is a little sore in the morning or um, is kind of abrupt in a way that doesn't doesn't make it for make it a very comfortable sleep. So I, I found that um, the air air mats actually work really great. And what I love about the Etherlite is that they're also the insulated options. So if I am out in a in a colder environment. Um, I have that mat that can cover both bases. So whether I'm I'm doing it in the summer or in in more of a third season um, camping environment. Yeah, yeah, and I think something something that I I just want to touch on this because it's it's something that I have been curious about, and and this will kind of probably um, transition into into the next topic as well. That's uh, specific to kind of like women specific gear at that CEO Summit makes, but with a person a person's body shape or, or size like if like with with if those are little air springs with the air sprung technology and with with other baffling systems um is there kind of a maximum that like 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 weight or size that can be put on that in order before it kind of gets maxed maxed out um or is there a, like a minimum distance or height that's that's needed for those those cells I, i'm just thinking i'm just thinking of someone who who may be on the heavier side um laying Laying on a pad, and maybe maybe the pad thickness or the the height of those air springs might come into play for them. Important thing with an air mat is if you're putting a heavier load on it, you have to inflate it firmer. So our mats, um, the ether lights run at about zero point five to zero point six psi. Um, the classic air strong cell mats are zero point seven to zero point eight. If you put um, now you're going to get a mixture of pounds and kilos out of me. I'm going to try and do this. I can't. If you put an 80 kilo um, person on top of that mat, you need to put another point one something, a little less than zero point, sorry, 0 0.1 or 0 0.2 PSI into it. Um, you can keep going up. They they stopped testing when they got to 260 kilos or something. Just just a Oh, okay, that like that—that's how much weight was put on the on the pad. But um, at that point, you you had inflated it really, really firmly. You were up at about one point eight psi, which is probably more than most people could um, achieve through mouth inflation, even with a pump. Um, but the welds are rated to eight psi. So to, when I mentioned earlier that um, we're trying to build something for reliability and for durability um that's what what we take as a, an acceptable minimum the normal um pressure that you would run them at is 0 0.8 at, at highest and yet the world is rigid to to 10 times that 
Um, honestly, um, the greater number of questions that we field um, about maximum load are people asking about self-inflating mats. Um, and I think there's probably um, a distinction in the end users. But a an end user, even on, on the heavier side, if, even if you're talking about somebody who's... Um, let me try and do that in pounds for you. Is it push, pushing 300 pounds? Um, you can still use an emat. You just would need to inflate it more firmly. That makes sense. I guess by inflating it, you're kind of stiffening up those springs a little bit, and then it's going to improve the comfort for that that heavier weight. So I, that that makes that makes sense to me. Um, and and I, that that was yeah something. So I was just curious about. It. I think I guess you probably are with with some pads that probably is a trade off. I don't think many pads have a when i look at like specs and features have like a weight weight limit that's advertised um necessarily so that's that's information that's more kind of given out when a customer service uh call is fielded yeah yeah okay um with i want to kind of transition that into um because into women specific sleeping pads um quickly here because Cedar Summit does is one of the few companies making specific especially with with sleeping pads I, I don't know if there is anyone else making like I think there's a couple couple out there but not many other making women specific gear what led to that being something that Cedar Summit wanted to do and what was the reasoning for it um a couple of things the um a we've built the women's specific sleeping bags since as far back as I can remember, um, we launched sleeping bags in 2010. We launched the first women's specific, certainly by 2016. I can't give you an exact year. It may have been 2015. Um, and I think a woman's specific sleeping bag is quite well and widely accepted by the market. Um, I don't think, if you a little bit of editorial comment, some, some of them strike me as the same bag, but slightly different. Um, that's not the way that, that we build things. Our sleeping bags are engineered differently from the ground up, as are our sleeping mats. And what was important with the women's specific sleeping bags, which then gave rise to the sleeping mats, was to, to get the shaping correctly. Um, a woman has narrower shoulders in general, so why not make a narrower shouldered sleeping bag and save some of the weight that, that the woman has to carry around? She's often a little shorter than a man, so again, we don't need a full-length um, sleeping bag that's designed a, a unisex bag. It does, um, a, a woman can gain from not carrying as much sleeping bag around. But the real genius was to find the correct shaping between the hips and the knees, not because of, of a woman's physiology, but because of the way a woman sleeps. Um, a woman's pelvis shape means that when she turns on her side, she will generally draw one knee up it's called a figure four position and if you don't get that right in a sleeping bag the woman will press up against the insulation with her knee and with her butt and by squeezing the insulation flat obviously we'll get pulled spots uh, we cracked that code and we did it without ending up with a, a foot box that was um that was essentially too large for the sleeping bag so a lot of time went into that and as an extension of that um, Cedar Summit believes very firmly that you don't buy a sleeping bag, you buy a sleep system. Um, it's not a, a marketing tagline. It's as as essential as 
if you went to buy a pair of trail runners, nobody would take you seriously if you said you were going to keep your cotton socks on and, and go running. That they'd say, look, the layer next to your skin has to work with the shoes. And oh boy, you looking at your feet, you could probably use some insoles. So let's talk super feet. And you very quickly build a system. And that's that's a common philosophy. It's it's common in the layering principle in clothing. Um, for some reason, when it comes to sleeping bags, people tend to think of a sleeping bag as a monolithic product. We don't. We've always um, thought of sleeping bags, sleeping bag liners, and sleeping mats as all being part of a harmonious and holistic system. And so the, it wasn't a marketing decision to build women-specific sleeping mats. Plural, by the way. Um, there are some companies who have one. Uh, REI does a good job um, here in the US. There are a number of women's specific sleeping mats. Um, but we have seven because we wanted to give the ultralight uh, woman camper and we wanted to give the um, the comfort-oriented woman camper and we wanted to give the travel-oriented camper an, an option that would work for them um, The in addition to the shaping, which would mirror that same concept with the sleeping bags widest between the hips and the knees to allow that thicker four. Um, you also get more insulation. So you'll note that the R value is higher um, on a women's specific air mat. And we're not talking self-reflecting mats, but there's even cleverer technology built into those. Um, see to show it? Nah, it, it? Australians tend not to shout about how how good they are at things. Um, so I'm, I'm going to do it for them. Um, so some of Cedar Summit's engineering is just off the charts good. Um, if, 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 you, if you want to tag the question on at that at the end about some of the launch technologies that we had and still have, um, ha happy to expound on it. But um, women's sleeping mats were an extension of the other um, components of a, a woman's specific sleep system. I guess it would be, it was interesting to hear you talk about how it, it was kind of a balance for, for, for weight as well, because it'd be easy just to make a big wide square pad that can generally accommodate everyone, but then you are carrying around all that extra weight. Whereas if you make the shape of the pad specific to the user, you can save quite a bit of, of weight. And I think if people look at the difference between like, see some, you, you, you have the, the the male oriented pad, the women specific pad, and then the big square ones as well. And people can go and take a look at all those. And then all the weights, I think you have a nice, a nice table that ha shows all of them side by side. Um, and I encourage people to kind of go take a look at that because you'll see that it does create sa significant weight savings while not sacrificing comfort for, for different people at the same time. So yeah, and Justin, that's that is specific to the fact that not there's not one product that fits every single person. So having all of those different sizes, having that you could have a tapered or mummy fit mat, and you can also have a rectangle fit mat or a wide mat or a double mat. Um, having those availability or those pieces available allows for people to find the right fit for them, which is so important. All these things that we're talking about, it's so important that they find the right fit for them. What is this, this activity that they're doing? What is the space, the temperature, the weather that they're sleeping within so they can have that most comfortable sleep? And as Barry said, there is no better conversation about that than the sleep system. I know we're just talking about mats. We can have a whole other conversation on sleep system down the road. Um, but but we, it's funny, we actually have people call in and say, hey, I want to buy that sleep system. And then we have to explain, well, actually, 
there's not one. There's there's multiple options here. So, ahead, <laughs> De- def- definitely. Um, and I want to I want to jump into now uh, what what what's coming down the pipe from Sea to Summit because I think that's that's always something that that I'm interested, in, especially maybe from a technology standpoint. Um, I think I think if or if there's things that Sea to Summit has identified that may, maybe it hasn't gone into the engineering phase yet, but maybe it's on the docket for um, maybe addressing one of the trade-offs in a, a sleeping pad that you want to kind of, may, maybe it's boost comfort, durability, warmth, um, weight. Uh, are there, are, is there, is there anything that you guys can share um, with regards to, to that? Well, I, I, I would like to keep my job. <laughs> so, so I have to be careful. Um, I've already mentioned, I, I think there are some interesting developments in insulation technology. Um, and I would be surprised if there weren't more, more developments in that direction. Um, I think you're going to hear the word sustainability a lot more. I, I don't know how true that is. Um, we see to summit, we on our frequently asked questions page, um, people are advised to, um, stop and think a little before this idea of, oh, can I recycle a sleeping pad? No, you can't. Um, the, those materials have been laminated together. You cannot separate them. And we're not going to pretend by using greenwashing terms that you can. Um, we, we actually have a clearly worded statement in our frequently asked questions um, section on the website that says, you know, we're not interested in greenwashing. We're certainly not going to create the impression that you can send a sleeping pad back to us and uh, we will dispose of it in some environmentally benign way because that's just not possible. It's much better to look for a second life application for a lot of products and sleeping pads included. You're going to hear the words sustainability. Um, I think there there are certain aspects within that where um, there will become uh, the, the, there will become um, available more materials that certainly will carry a, a blue sign designation. Um, I, I can't say much more than that. Tested, Ryan. Oh, that's you, that, that's that's great. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I think I was going to add on to a little bit of what Barry was saying there. I think you know this is a is a big part of all companies. It's not just Super Summit, and it's a big part of the outdoors in general, right? So to be in a space where there are products that all of us make in some way that um, have some struggles, whether that is uh, the material availability for folks um, or the recyclability of of the materials, and, and it's something that we as an organization take very seriously, and are going to continue to um, grow, expand on, um, and drive as as a big part of our company. I was going to say, you know, one of the things that we as a as an organization also believe in one of our values is really um, that idea of um, you know doing the things that you didn't even know you needed. Uh, so one of those pieces is a just really paying attention and listening to your listeners. Uh, all of the consumers that are are sending us questions on the daily or providing feedback about the products that we make. So um, you've heard us talk a lot about sleep systems. So I think what we we can promise you or or tell you is that we have a lot of sleep system advancements and changes and things that are coming for us uh, in coming years. And and that is inclusive of um, you know some stuff that that is is within our mat um, space as well. And we will continue to do that always. Um, but look for more from us in the sleep system space. 
Interesting. Yeah, that's 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 some those those are some great tidbits, and I think um, I, I get a lot of comments from from my viewers and my audience, and I I'm all all over the internet, kind of picking up little bits and pieces, and I think uh, if if there's a way to to make the Etherlite X maintain the durability and comfort, make it a little bit warmer, a um, little bit less weight, I think uh, people people would be would be would be loving that. Um, any anything else uh, kind of before we kind of wrap up that you guys want to share make sure people people know out there about um particular around uh comfort and and sleeping pads but but anything else as well that you want to share with it any news with sea to summit or stuff that's coming down the pipe um well with regard to sleeping mats specifically um i said australians um australians don't like it when people shout about how great they are um it's interesting culture um, and obviously for your listeners I'm assuming that most people know that Cedar Summit is an Australian company um, if you didn't we we're located in Perth Western Australia uh, which is the most remote capital city in the world um, there's a big adventure playground right out the back door called the Outback which is um, serious so you're going to make gear out, if you're going to play in Western Australia you need to make gear that, that's going to go the distance um, where I think that we sometimes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't use the term sell ourselves short, but um, where I think there's a bit of a perception gap. Um, when we launched the sleeping mats, the idea of the air sprung cells was completely revolutionary. Um, and it's not anymore. I, I mentioned the REI Flash, um, but for Canadian listeners, the MEC Vector, um, very, very similar constructions and good that, that does improve the brand or so it does improve the breed um we had a flat valve when we launched in 2015 in those days rotary valves were common they had very poor airflow you couldn't connect a pump to them we had a pump at launch and we then two years later decided we could do something even better and we built an integrated pump into our stuff sack and just little things like that um, I, I, I think maybe people should look at Cedar Summit and go, yeah, when they talk about engineering, it's actually engineers who are doing this stuff and um, coming up with ideas that um, make the product better. If you take that, that one last um, concept around the idea of durability, that um, the liquid extruded lamination process, we have never had a delamination. We've been selling that for eight years. And if you look at the um, the track record of, of um, sleeping mats, a very, very large percentage of them. I don't have REI's current numbers. We we used to have the REI in-house report. But a very large percentage of the mats that are returned fail because of something internal, a, a welds or a and th that airproof barrier or both. So I, I would just like, um, when people are assembling those Venn diagrams and looking um, to see which items are, or which aspects are most important to them, when they're buying a sleeping mat and by extension buying a sleep system i'd like them to, to give some thought to the fact that yeah there's some some people um working quietly away in the background who've um come up with a lot of the things that um drive the market now and come up with them first um and their company would be cedar summit so that may sound a little bit like a, a sales pitch it isn't meant in that sense i profound respect for the engineers that I get to work with in Perth. 
that, that's great because I, I I feel the same way. It's it's especially it's great to mention those little things that I think can often be overlooked, but for some people can be major major pain points. And and like the, like you mentioned, the valve and the inflation bag that doubles that the the stuff sack that doubles as an inflation bag is 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 genius. And and those little things really add up. And I was I was testing, um, doing some additional testing on the Sea to Summit uh, Telos tent over the past week. And you can see all those little things in that tent as well, like the little attention to detail things that really stack. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, in 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 a couple of years, I wouldn't, I would be surprised if the um, the fly to um, stakeout point attachment system that Sea to Summit uses gets copied almost universally. <laughs> because that's that's a great, great the, system. The so the aluminum pieces that clip into the corners. Yeah. Um, those, those yeah, pieces. Ge- genius. And yeah. um, <laughs> no, it is. It, it, but it would have been very easy to have just gone and bought an off-the-shelf component, just as it um, years before with the valve. And I'm sure it would have been a lot easier and a heck of a lot cheaper to have just bought an off-the-shelf valve. That that multifunction valve was something that Cedar Summit designed and developed themselves. Um, that's who we are. Great. But what about you, Ryan? Anything or? Um, I, I was just going to say, you know, we are an organization that, like I said, li- listens um, to everybody that sends in messages, and which we always appreciate. Um, and oftentimes, and Justin, you know this, you can call in and talk to Barry. Um, Barry will will be there to listen to the the questions that you have and answer them in a um, a much more um, experienced um, manner that has has done all of the things and tried all of the different products out there so and sometimes he gives advice that is not <laughs> for see the summit and i always say barry you can't do that um but but he is absolutely there and there's a real person that um is there to talk to and, and oftentimes with barry so just know that yeah and i i really appreciate the the, the openness and um like barry barry you, know, you've, you and i have chatted before and and having that access is 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 amazing and um yeah, being able to have frank conversations and honest conversations is, is very much appreciated. I appreciate both of your times. That was a great conversation, and uh, I look forward to chatting again soon.